This is episode 24, Holes from 2003. Shia watched this at 11.50 a.m. on the final day of his marathon. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski, and this arguably might be Shia's most popular movie of all time, at least among girls, and among my friends specifically, and even more specifically, among Melissa Lynam, our... (laughs) Cage Club Podcast Network artist. She loves this movie. And my sister loves this movie, too. Well, I think it's one of the best that we've watched in Shia Club. Not Shia Club. I think it's one of the best that we've watched. It's Shia Club. It's basically It's pretty much Shia Club. I read the book when I was in elementary school, and I feel like I... Or maybe middle school. I don't know. I read it when I was little. And I feel like I might have seen this movie, but I don't know that I did. I definitely forgot a lot of it. And I was sort of surprised, honestly, how much was in flashbacks. And flashbacks spanning, like at least a hundred years if not more that was some of my favorite stuff I, I had seen this once before too like over a decade ago i remembered very little like when i saw it i had no idea about shia labeouf like I, I remember watching this movie going like where are the famous people and then you know john voight shows up and patricia arquette my crush alabama warley yeah she's great in this i was surprised watching it again just kind of how delighted i was by it it's, i don't know every time i sort of was like getting too much of the kids they would do the flashbacks and then when i was sort of like too much of that they going back to the kids it just felt like a cool balance as we were sort of hitting our low point arguably in the middle of all his movies when there was a lot of bigger budget stuff that wasn't super exciting and shy was good in it but whatever and as i was sort of counting down the movies we had left and saying oh he's got a bunch of kids movies at the end there'll be stuff that we can you know watch really quickly and record really quickly this movie when it came out to be two hours i was like i can't believe that like what's basically a kid's movie is two hours long but there's like a lot in here and it's it's well worth the runtime. It's not like they're padding it out just to pad it out. Like there's a lot of story that they're telling and you're right, like it never feels like it overstays its welcome. I would like only for this purpose that what we're doing, I would like a little bit more Shia. Like it feels like at times we're like there's a lot going on in these flashbacks. Like there's some that are like ex- sort of exceptionally long and that I, I sort of wish we would bounce back to him just to see what he's up to for the purposes of this podcast. But in terms of as a movie, I think it works really well balancing both. Yeah, and knowing that it was a novel you can kind of feel that a little bit but it never trips over itself in the way we've seen adaptations just completely be non-entertaining or whatever like I really feel like I haven't read the book but I feel like this is a well done adaptation because it works on its own as a movie I don't feel like it trying to omit stuff or inject stuff that isn't necessary and the running time did kind of throw me at first it's kind of like this intricate woven tapestry of a story for for kids at least you know i mean it does some really interesting stuff playing with time and narrative you know i mean it doesn't go like crazy tarantino or anything but i mean maybe for kids maybe for teenagers like <laughs> they do apply a lot of that filmmaking stuff to this type of movie so i was a little concerned about the running time but just the way that the story switches up so much they're, they're telling like basically two stories at least here i, I feel like it is warranted. Well, I think that the reason that it works so well is because the guy who wrote the book also wrote the screenplay. And we've had that, I think maybe in this or maybe in other podcasts, that when there's a guy who writes the novel, like he's less afraid to sort of make the screenplay his own thing. He knows the story, he knows these characters, he knows the important things to include, he knows what he can probably leave out. And I'm sure that the book goes into more detail in certain parts, but I think it works really well here just because he's in total command of the story. I think that helps. I mean, it could be a hindrance, but in this case, I think it works because I think we've noticed before there's guys who have written screenplays to their own books and 
you know, they haven't really worked. So it's kind of a hit and miss thing. But this time I feel like they really hit the mark. I guess there are some things in here that might seem a little strange as far as storytelling. Like sometimes they will cut back to the kids for literally like one shot that'll last like 30 seconds. And then that's all of the present day stuff. And we'll go back. Like it feels a little unbalanced at times, but never to the degree where it's not working, where it feels like they're forcing it one way or another. It just feels like he's staying on the right track this whole time. None of it goes off the rails for me like we've seen in adaptations before. That's fair. It's hard for me to really, because I wasn't watching it really truly as a movie. I was mostly watching it for Shia. Hmm. So I don't know how well it works in terms of the balance. I think it mostly works well for balance, as we were talking about earlier, and as you said. It's not like I didn't enjoy the flashbacks, but like I was less invested in them in this viewing hmm. just because Shy wasn't in them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I like the story. I like the sort of the, the generational sort of unknowingly following Shia's family back and Zero's family back, sort of, right? And Sigourney Weaver's. Yeah. And Sigourney Weaver's family and how they interact with each other and like this history and there's like, all these different generations. And it's cool because Shia's character, you know, he's the fourth, he's Stanley Yelnats the fourth. Yelnats is Stanley backwards. And we meet the last Yelnats man who's not named Stanley, I think. And then from then on, everybody's named Stanley because it's the last name backwards. And so, you know, his name is this indication that his family is a lot to him. And even though he's not with them beyond the first 10 minutes, or maybe even less than that, like five or seven minutes of the movie, you know, I would have loved to see more of Shia with Henry Winkler. Like, that would have been great. <laughs> the fact that he's away from them doesn't mean that, like, his family isn't important. So we get to know his family. Even though he's not really learning about his family, I think maybe, you know, at the end, either at the end of the movie or after the movie ends, after they find that buried chest with his name on it, he can learn a little bit more about his history. We're learning about his family as he's just digging holes, you know? So it's, mm -hmm. it's important. Like, family's important. The generations are important. And I think it works in that sense. I just wish that I, I, I don't know how it would have happened. Or maybe, you know, we saw, we saw Shia age like 30 years in Nymphomaniac. I guess he's a little bit too young to do that here, but like it would have been cool if he was somehow like his dad and his grandfather in all these flashbacks, oh, you know, like we could see him, the same guy. But I mean, in, in real life, he's only 16 or 17. And I don't know that you can necessarily have him play believably as you know, an older man or whatever. But maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I hear you, though. Like, I did want more Shia. I would say he's good in this. I like him, but I wasn't expecting him to be so sort of withdrawn for most of the film. Like, he is our entry point character. He's the kid who is going to get sent to the whole camp. The whole Well, yep. he's charged with stealing sneakers he didn't really steal, so he could either go to prison or go to, like, this youth detention center, and it's out in the desert kind of Cool Hand Luke style where they're just digging holes all day long build character. Or O Brothers sort of style. In a <laughs> yeah, way. any kind of chain gang, chain gang yep. type thing. When he's there, like, I was a little, like, he's not as energetic right off the bat. Like, it takes him the whole movie to kind of ramp up and get his character comfortable to the point where it feels like he's being himself. Yeah. Like, he's good and everything, but I just wish that he was doing more instead of just sort of being a cipher for the audience. Like, the, he's kind of a blank slate for most of the film until, like, he gets his name Caveman. I, I would have liked a little more with the family. You know, it's his grandfather who's sort of telling him this story about his ancestors, 
but it seems like he told this story before he got sent to this camp, this work camp, but we're hearing it throughout the movie, so maybe he's having these memories of his grandfather telling the story, and then we're experiencing the flashbacks, but I almost wished it was Shia telling the story to Zero or something at camp in order to keep themselves from being afraid at night or something like that, or a way of bonding. Or just like a way of like teaching him how to read, like that could, that could yeah. be weaved in there. Yeah, and that would have just connected him more to those flashbacks like if he was somehow more involved like you said it could have been him telling the story and you know maybe not even believing it until they find the treasure at the end and then him realizing whoa it's not just a story this is actually a real tale of my own ancestry yeah i mean i think those are all good points and i agree that he doesn't really he's not really i don't want to say he's not interesting but he's basically not interesting until he becomes caveman he's not like really interesting until he steals the car and drives him to the, di- the one hole and then runs away and then when it's just him and zero that's when the movie really kind of like opens up in a way but i do want to mention and we, we i this is something I learned when we did the Disturbia episode that I didn't talk about because I forgot to mention it, but I had read that because of this movie, he got the role in Disturbia, and because of Disturbia, he got Transformers Indiana Jones. Hmm. So even though he's not necessarily as good as he has been in other movies, you know, he's good enough to basically kickstart his career and, you know, get to one of his earliest leading roles in, like, a pretty big-budget movie, and then, you know, which led to him being, like, the sidekick and then the lead in, like, even bigger movies. So this is really an important movie, and I know it's one that a lot of people like, and I don't know if it's necessarily one of my top five Shia favorite movies. I think that's something that we could probably do at the end of this. I think it's it's definitely in like the top third of my favorite movies. I just I just wish that he was a little bit more because we've seen so much more from him mm-hmm. and not that far. Like you know the, the last movie we did was the even Stevens movie. Yeah, and that's a completely different tone. But like that's such a better showcase for his talents and for who he is as an actor. And here he's just like it's sort of a more reserved role that works well and he's good in it. But it just it it doesn't show the full Shia that we've come to know and love. Yeah. It- it shows part of his range, right? Like, it shows that he, with the even Steven, I was thinking of even Stevens watching this because I'm like, wow, like, it's kind of amazing they're the same actor to a degree. Like, in even Stevens, he's just on 100% of the time. He's wacky, he's fun, he's goofy. Like, every line out of his mouth is sort of a joke, and it's great. And here, he's almost the total opposite. Like, he's calm and reserved and shy and kind of scared and confused and so it's interesting in those two movies that you see he has these ranges and he can exist in them for an entire film in a way I thought that was kind of interesting like it doesn't seem like he's doing much but I think he's doing more than I realize by being able to maintain his character throughout this entire film like that level um, that he's bringing to it you, you know what I'm saying like yeah. it, it can kind of just it's almost a showcase to say like here's a kid who can carry a movie and be calm and consistent throughout it and you can have like all this other stuff revolve around him and he can be kind of a glue that'll bring everything together which makes it even more confusing is that they saw him in this and they wanted to put him in these tiny little roles you know until he got to Transformers and Disturbia you know it's like if you thought he was good I really now more than ever I'm like this feels like we're in the phase of the night before with Keanu where he's gonna have a couple of those little like starring roles in smaller feature films and stuff and it's 
just like again it's like seeing him in holes after even Stevens I'm like I wanted I wish we had more of him at this age carrying films like this but uh, I'm glad we get what we got it's not the Shia that I like the most but I still really like this Shia What's going to be interesting, or what is interesting to me, is the next five movies that we're doing, the last five, I know literally nothing about. I've heard of True Confessions. I mean, Nausicaa's not really him, that's just a voice, and he did that later, so that doesn't really count. But the next four movies, I think for the most part, he's kind of like a star in. I just don't know, like, this is the last movie that I know anything about. Mm -hmm. I'm sort of curious where he's going to go from here, even though we're going backwards in time. You know, we talked about last time, like, going backwards with Shia is interesting, at least compared to Cage or Keanu, because we're seeing him younger and younger and all these different reasons that we talked about. But it's also interesting because we sort of see, like, every time we, we find something really good that follows something bad, which means that that bad thing came after it, like you were just saying, it's like, well, why did that happen? Like, why didn't it just keep going from, like, in theory, like, you should keep going to, like, worse and worse movies, right? Like, you know, because for a good actor, if he's really utilizing his talents the best, like, it should keep getting better and better, or at least, you know, his role. And then it feels like there's, like, these weird peaks and valleys toward the end that just, I understand why it happens, and maybe he wanted to be in bigger budget movies like we talked about in the last episode, but it's it's interesting to see, I think. Absolutely, and it's weird now because I didn't realize, you know, like I said last episode, I didn't realize he was this child star either. So I don't, I always lose sight of like kids who've always worked their entire life. Like I never really, it's hard to kind of comprehend that. And, you know, as we go back into the last few movies, we're going to see him much younger, I feel, than, than we've ever seen him before. And I don't know, there's just something about like the longevity of that. I think of like Drew Barrymore, you know, some kids that can transition from child star or Joseph Gordon-Levitt, you know what I'm saying like there's another guy who he was on third rock and then he went off and had like a great career in film and stuff is shia in that camp i don't know like i still feel like he's more than that somehow some way like he almost defies his persona somehow and i don't know if that's just my image of him but i feel like he's like this diamond in the rough sometimes like he he's so so capable of so much that we've seen already and we know is going to come down the line and it's always strange but I'm still seeing things as we journey backwards through his you know in this weird Benjamin Button type of way like I'm still seeing things that not that I haven't seen before but I'm seeing things where I'm like oh that's where that came from or oh he's he's had this in his bag or, or he's been working on this about him and stuff so I've really come to like his style of acting and and his choices and stuff so you know if not for anything this has been very entertaining to do despite you know some of those like Transformer movies and things like that because he is the best part I feel like for the most part, mostly, he's the best part of the movies that he's in. Yeah. I think what maybe differentiates him from other child actors, possibly, is that he was never really tied to a TV series for so long. When we were talking about the Even Stevens movie, we talked about how he did like 60 episodes of that show, but I feel like that wasn't like, he's not like the Olsons, who are, no matter what they do, they're always going to be Michelle Tanner. They are forever cemented in that role. Hmm. This is also, I'm now looking at his IMDb to see if there is a TV series, aside from even Stevens, that he was on for a while that we're just not doing, and no. After True Confessions, which is our next movie, which is a TV movie, he's in nine different TV shows that we're not going to be talking about, but he's in an episode of each. And so I feel like he didn't really necessarily have... And I don't know if there's actually, like, a normal version of this, but, like, I feel like he didn't have a normal child star childhood. It feels more like he's kind of, like, an adult going from, like, project to project and just sort of getting bigger roles, you know? And then eventually, you know, by the time he's 16 or 17, like, right now, being the star. But, like, in the years preceding what we've talked about, 
he will have been on The Proud Family, which I don't know, The Nightmare Room, which I don't know, ER, Freaks and Geeks, The X-Files, Touched by an Angel, Suddenly Susan, Jesse, which I don't know, Caroline in the City. Like, these are all shows that they're big enough audience that, like, if you have, like, a few lines or something, like, Lucy Liu is on an episode of The X-Files, you know? Like, <laughs> if you're if you're memorable enough in your role on, like, a serialized drama or a comedy or whatever, you can just sort of catapult your career, and I'm guessing that's kind of what happened, because... I, I don't know anything about his career before now, and yet in 2003, he's already a leading man enough to carry his own movie. Yeah, that's that's a crazy amount of experience across the board there. You know, you're going from serious drama, like stuff like ER, to comedy, like sitcom stuff and things. Like, that's pretty interesting that he's able to navigate all those different types of shows and stuff like that and get a lot of experience in the television field like that and I'm sure if you were watching TV a lot you know while in the late 90s you're like seeing him show up (laughs) on all these shows like a walk-on character that's pretty interesting like I would like to go back and watch like an episode that he was on and stuff but not for this or anything but just to I'm curious to see like how he was utilized on shows and not in movies like if he was as noticeable I mean it's is it just he was a working actor and he needed the work or was he you know good enough that casting agents were passing his folder around from one person to another you know what I mean like I kind of get like the sense that that was it that in a way not that he was chosen to be groomed into a movie star but that it was recognized he had whatever the x factor was that you know if we get this kid working and keep him working like he could really hone that and become something and you know be like an early movie star and I think that's kind of seems to be like a little bit of what happened I mean maybe he got too much success too soon I mean it's always tough being young and successful but his work is good you know despite whatever issues might have been going on behind the scenes like you know around this time like he's really putting in the work and and delivering I'm going to we're not going to record an episode about it but I'm going to at some point between Monkey Business and Hounded there's a three year gap from 98 to 2001, which is the biggest gap in his career. Like, the last five movies we've talked about are all 2003. And I mean, mm-hmm. he was the star in three of those movies. So that's kind of a big year. But between 2001 and 98, he was in a bunch of TV shows. So after we record the Hounded episode, before we do Monkey Business, I'm going to go and watch that episode of The X-Files, because he's he seems like one of the leads of that episode. It's the last Mulder season. It's season seven. Okay. It looks like, just based on the names of the characters... There's, like, parents, and he's, like, their kid. So, and the parents, like, the focus of the episode. So, I'm guessing he's going to be in a decent amount of the episode. So, I'm going to see. I will report back what I learned about Shia on the X-Files. But I, I do want to see how they used him in a thing where it's not a vehicle for him. He's just a part. He's like a cog in the machine. Yeah, when he's it's just like a job. You know, it's, a, it's right. That's another thing that's weird is that most of the stuff he's in, he's it's revolved around him, which is kind of feels a little unusual that, I mean, obviously later on when he goes through his sidekick phase to Will Smith and Keanu, like, no, the movie doesn't revolve around him. But most of the time, he's the center, like, of the story and stuff. So it will be interesting to see. I'll let you go watch The X-Files. I'll, I'll watch it eventually. <laughs> but I'm, I still got to go back and check out some Even Stevens TV to report back you for. You know, uh, I saw some of that's on YouTube. YouTube, so I'll check out like season two or something. But that's kind of cool. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't want him to 
be in smaller roles necessarily but it's just interesting that most of his work like most of the stuff he's in has revolved around him that he hasn't really played like this side character so much we didn't really talk about the movie much but i feel like this is sort of like a good kind of round way to end the episode sort of i mean i don't want to like end it now necessarily but i feel like this was an important episode in all his movies like this is a very special episode where we talk about you know what could be feels like every movie could be his last starring role like i i really want to see i feel like we might get two more these next two that we're gonna do true confessions and hounded the two that we didn't know he watched because it wasn't on the list that we were looking at these might be starring roles because if you watch them for the marathon they're probably important i don't know what i really don't know what to expect from here on out just like where in Keanu Club, I really didn't know basically up until, say, Point Break, like, what we were getting, or, like, Mm -hmm. up until Bill and Ted, what we were getting. Here, just like, well, the rest of this, I just don't know what it is. (laughs) I'm kind of scared when we get to monkey business. I mean, we have that on our list, too, but, like, if the next two ones are what he's most in, I'm worried when we get even further back, and I don't know what's going to happen then. But, yeah, no, I hear you. Like, we didn't really need to go into the plot of this so much. I feel like... If you're listening to this and you haven't seen the movie, it, it's a serious recommend. Like you should go check it out, and and I almost feel like we shouldn't ruin all the little twists and turns that go on in it because there is some really surprising stuff. And again, I hadn't seen it in like ten years, and I was really engaged and surprised with like how the story was told and the generational thing and all that kind of stuff. So I definitely think it's worth checking out. I mean, you said it's not like uh, it might not be uh, at the top of your Shia list, and, and you know, I think for the movies he's in, it's at the top of my list. But for Shia performances, yeah, it's sort of somewhere in the middle there for me. There are a few notes that I want to mention about this movie that really don't have anything to do with the movie at all, really. Um, there's a couple different Beck songs in this, which is cool. <laughs> when he finally gets his nickname, Caveman, he gets it because he sort of stands up to the guy who bullies him. And I realized, I was thinking about while watching that scene that he must have, he should have just watched Office Space when they're asking Orlando Jones about how to survive in prison. <laughs> and he's like, you either got to kick someone's ass the first day or become someone's bitch. Like, he just had to stand up for himself and like, everybody's going to like him. So I thought that was kind of funny. Sigourney Weaver looking great in this movie. Yeah. I kind of want to do Sigourney Club. Uh, she's in this movie because this is her daughter. At the time, it was her daughter favorite book. Huh, she's the reason I rented this movie, actually. Like, I vividly, I think I told you, I vividly remember standing in Blockbuster holding this movie and going, Sigourney Weaver, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> and she, uh, her character, she's got a real arc to this that if we ever do a Sigourney Club or whatever we would call it, because she starts off, like, overwhelmingly nice and becomes, like, really driven and hungry and sort of vindictive, and we know why, but it would be really cool to go in-depth about her character and why she's like that, so I think that'd yeah. be cool. I love her fate in this. Like, that is some of, like, my favorite stuff. It's just so cruel what happens there, but <laughs> it's, like, comeuppance, you know? I, I just thought it was cool. Like we said, Patricia Arquette is great as Kiss and Kate Barlow in the past. Sam was great. I don't... I think he was just in, like, West Wing or something, but the guy who played Sam was awesome. You sort of see his ghost when Shy is going to the holes, whatever it's called. What is it? Like, the um, juvenile detention center. And I was like, what? What was that? And then when he shows up later in the movie, I was like, oh, cool. It's all connected. And the last thing I want to say was that I thought it was really funny that they're digging all these holes because they're looking for the treasure or they're looking for something they don't know what and then only when they run away do they realize that maybe they're not in the right spot and I just thought about that scene in Indiana Jones where like they're like they're digging in the wrong place like <laughs> they're they're so stupid like they're over there but they should be over here yeah definitely just in terms of casting Shia and John Voight will be back together in Transformers this is pre-union. a pre-union for them and a pre-union for Shia and Max Cash who played Zigzag in this he'll be back in the greatest game ever played 
And then Brendan Jefferson, I don't know who he was in this movie. He had a recurring role in Even Stevens. Oh, he played X-Ray. So X-Ray had a recurring role in Even Stevens. Oh, he was only in two episodes, but he's oh. that's a little bit of bringing there. Was he the guy with the glasses? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, he was good. I liked him. Do you want to guess who was offered this role before Shia? Think similar to Shia. Oh, brother. There's two people, actually. <laughs> well, this first guest is because watching this, I thought he would make a great Hobbit. So I'm going to say Elijah Wood, even though he's nope, way nope. older. <laughs> but I was watching this and I was like, man, he would have been a great Hobbit. Actually, okay, so there was, the, there was one person who was cast, and I guess I had to back out, and another guy who was offered the role. The guy who was offered the role is the guy who, the kid who was the star of Home Alone 3, which I've never seen, oh, Alex wow. D. Linz. Uh-uh. But this guy who was originally cast is not as big as Shia, but at a time was way bigger than Shia. Uh, Emil Hirsch, because he no. got Project Greenlight first, and Shia had to step in and take no, that. No, but that's a, that's not a bad guess. This this guy is mostly known for one TV show. Oh, man. I'm totally blanking. You're going to have to... Uh... Frankie Muniz. Whoa, no way. Malcolm in the Middle? Malcolm in the Middle, the prequel to Breaking Bad. I think he's too... like, like Not that he's a good-looking kid or nothing, but he's better looking than Shia. I don't know if he would have... He might have gotten on my nerves. I don't really... I'm not really... I didn't really like that show. I don't know if I would have liked this movie as much if Shia wasn't in it. I mean, <laughs> I guess Frankie Shia, no, Shia okay. works in this. I mean, Shia's likable. Frankie Muniz is a little bit like... I feel like he'd be like looking at the camera a lot and just being like, yeah. what's going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus, Shia looks like he could be Henry Winkler's son. You know, like, that's another yeah. thing. Like, they really nailed the casting. And the mom, I always forget her name, but I love her and everything. She she just was in um, Wayward Pines as the uh, secretary at the uh, police station. The thing we learned about this movie is that it takes peaches and onions to make shoes not stink. Mm-hmm. Not, But whose who's shoes in particular? None other than Rick Fox, who makes a... Did, recognize yes. his cameo yeah i'm not much of a sports guy but i knew it was him because he was on oz for a while so basketball like, oh. player playing a baseball player in this movie for some reason yeah that was weird why why weren't they just his don't basketball know. shoes don't <laughs> know the mom is played by siobhan fallon hogan that's it who plays it. arlene on wayward pines also in forrest gump and men in black when you talk about kevin the negotiator oh okay okay now i know yeah i know who you're talking about now she looks different sort of in this but i, I definitely if mm-hmm. i if i paid more attention i would have noticed that so cool yeah they were both good i just, I wish we had more Henry Winkler. That's all I want to say. <laughs> He's great. I love the fonts. So for all things, all his movies, you can go to cageclub.me or facebook.com slash cageclub. You can see all the episodes we've done. Wait around, hang around for the next five, the last five that are coming out. Listen to the other shows on the network. Come back in a year or so when we finally get to, no, not a year, maybe six months, when we finally get to Constantine for Keanu Club. So that's happening. We can do that episode again. So that'll be cool. All sorts of fun things for you to listen to at cageclub.me and facebook.com slash cageclub. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And we'll see you next time on All His Movies. I got an Ill-